This is the Shift Podcast. Coming up today on the Shift Daily Podcast, with the spread of Omicron, some Canadians are wondering if it's time to get the virus and just get it over with. Well, Catherine Smart with the Canadian Medical Association shares why that is not a good idea at all. She dives into how blunt, how to blunt Omicron's impact, the outcomes of mass infections, and insight into what doctors are feeling right now. Are you okay with an unfortunate picture of a pickle? And what about Arnold Schwarzenegger puns? And on the Millennial on the radio with Ryan O'Donnell, we go all sports with updates on Novak Djokovic being kicked out of Australia and a crazy day in the NFL. That's today on the Shift Daily Podcast. This is the Shift Podcast. All right, let's do some Are You Okay? Okay, are you okay with pickles? Uh, You know, okay, I'm weird with pickles. I despise pickles on most things, but I really like eating pickles on their own. Okay, interesting. Is that weird? Is I that think weird? that's very weird. I think like that's I very weird. Oh, they taste I'll, the I'll same. Make it even weirder. On a burger, I hate them on burgers except A and W burgers. Amazing on A and W, and I will put pickles on a Subway sandwich. But those are the only two things I'll put pickles on. Super but weird. But I could eat a pickle like on its own. Like I'll have a Reuben Grooman's Deli, by the way, in yeah, Calgary. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll have a Reuben. And, you know, they put the pickle on the side. I'm not going to put that pickle in the Reuben, but on the side? Ab- yeah, absolutely. Um, you're aware, Ryan, that the pickle, the flavor is the same, whether it's on something or on its own. It's it's pickle. It, in both cases, it's a pickle. Yeah. It, it, hey, it is a pickle, but I don't know. I just think that the flavor is just best on its own. I don't know. Okay. Okay. No judgment. Brendan, where are you on this? Weird. I'm curious. Ah. I'm fine with pickles. I don't love them. I don't hate them. They're just, they're fine. I'm middle of the road. I'm a pickle centrist. Yeah. I'm a pickle lover. Love a good pickle. They're delicious. And uh, I will eat them on their own and with things. And here's a little life pro tip for you. Uh, When the pickle jar is empty of the pickles, if you slice some carrots and then put them in the pickle brine, you get a nice little uh, pickly tasting carrot uh, Mm -hmm. snack delicious uh did you know that a baseball team in portland is named after our beloved salty snack well less so for ryan and centrist for brendan kelly after my beloved salty snack the portland pickles and they have a mascot named dylan the pickle this is great (laughs) this is great on thursday dylan broke the internet after he posted a picture of oh yeah you know it looks like his pickle if you catch our drift, here's more from KOIN6. So it was posted during their, quote, mascot takeover and received now uh, more than 40,000 likes on Twitter. <laughs> and the tweet says, quote, new phone, who dis? And shows the Portland Pickles mascot in a, let's just call it a precarious position. What appears to be. What appears a to be. Um, and again, you can you can look at this tweet yourself. It's not deleted. Right. It is still up there. Well, and adding to the uh, entendre. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. The post also tagged several companies, including Manscaped, uh, which are male grooming products, is how we will phrase that. Yeah. Manscaped, uh, Corn Nuts, 
and Oscar Mayer Wiener and uh, California State Congressman uh, Scott Wiener. Yeah, so I think you understand the direction <laughs> that this is going. I think you understand by now. Yeah, so of course everyone, uh, you know, as you as one would assume, uh, saw this photo of what they thought was Dylan's pickle, and uh, <laughs> in a in a, you know responded immediately, right? Uh, as this thing took off. So in a follow up tweet, the pickle said, "Quote." We have ended our mascot takeover. It has come to our attention that this photo could be misinterpreted as a disturbing image. Misinterpreted. Misinterpreted. <laughs> Dylan would like to go on record and say that he was trying to give his fans a thumbs up. <laughs> okay. Oh. <laughs> uh, I have done some digging, guys. Okay. Okay. I was curious. Yeah. The Portland Pickles seem like they've got something going on here, right? And their mascot is just a giant pickle. I was yep. like, okay. The fact that they tagged all those people in that post means they wanted them to see it. And yeah, sure. the mascot took over the account, but I'm sure the, the Pickles knew what was going on. So I went to the Pickles uh, website, which by the way, they've for a team named after Pickles, they have got some of the best baseball merch I've ever seen in my life. Like 10 out of 10. Anyway, there is a shirt that is on the Portland Pickles website that you can buy right now. And this is definitive proof that the Pickles made this tweet on purpose, 100% just to blow it up. It is a shirt that says new phone who dis and right underneath it over the groin area is the Pickles thumbs up. So they knew they had this pre-planned. They got the, They've they had got this the, the t-shirt. Merch. Yeah. 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 And I mean, obviously it's worked for them. We're talking about it, right? It's fantastic. Yeah. Also, the Portland Pickles is just such a fantastic name for a team. I've had enough hat. of the aggressive animal. You bought a hat? Yeah. I bought a hat. Fantastic. I bought a, I bought a hat. It's it's a great team name. Uh, there's some hilarious, yeah, fun mascots. It doesn't need to, like you said, that's actually great. It doesn't need to be a terrifying, threatening no, uh, animal. No, gritty. I was going to say, like, I'm very Gritty's into the amazing. mascot thing oh, these yeah. days. And, like, I mean, so to me, I mean, I know the Chicago Bull has, like, done, he's, like, notorious for doing amazing mascot things. But Gritty, to me, the uh, mascot from the Philadelphia Flyers, if you're unfamiliar, is the greatest mascot in the mascot game right now. He is putting all the other mascots to shame. I love you, Finn, in Vancouver, the Canucks mascot. But Gritty is just, and it's made mascotting interesting instead of, like, silly. He's made it, like, uh, very tongue-in-cheek, very, like, we don't care that you don't know what our mascot is. Like it, it's it's fantastic. It's the greatest thing. Look up some of Gritty's best moments on YouTube. Uh, are you okay with ice? Yeah, I uh, I really like stepping on it. You know, like on the sidewalk, it's really thin. You hear the crunch. That's I like see. the best part of winter. Okay. Well, yeah, we don't get a lot of ice here, and when when we do, we we can't seem to handle it. Um, Very true. Not a lot of salt that people put on their sidewalks in front of their houses. They barely clear the sidewalks. So actually, I'm not a big fan of ice here, but I was okay with ice in other places that are able to actually handle winter. Huh. I am not okay with ice anywhere, except on the ice rink where I watch people play hockey on it. But I just, I don't like, I have very little need for it. I don't like it in a drink. I, I, I'm not an ice guy. I don't like it on the sidewalk. Uh, but there was a trend on TikTok where people have just been throwing ice on the ground to watch it shatter. And it's kind of mm -hmm. satisfying actually, but in order to right. smash this piece of ice, 
you might need a meteor or some other large object. For the first time since 2019, a giant round slab of ice has shown up on Maine. It's made its famous first appearance back in 2019 in the city, I love the music, of Westbrook posting drone video of the ice disc they form as a result of collection of a collection of a current and vortex underneath the ice. You may recall the first formed three years ago and brought international attention to Westbrook. That is pretty cool. So it's just a big it's just a big ice circle. It's like it it, it I'm trying to think of it's hard to describe. It's it's enormous. It's it's truly enormous and it's almost perfectly round. It's all it's 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 such it's a kind of incredible nature does that. Right. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. I don't know how big, big uh, apparently it's it's like because the water w- the, where that pools in that area, it causes uh-huh. like a little vortex. So it's constantly spinning. And then eventually the water starts to freeze in that shape. Um, yeah. But it is it's really weird. Like it, I would say it's about the size of what you would imagine a UFO would be. So, mm. OK. UFO ice. I like it. Uh, as a bonus treat, here are some ice puns from one of the worst movies ever made, courtesy of Arnold Schwarzenegger starring as Mr. Freeze in Batman Forever. Thank you, Ryan, for doing this. The Iceman cometh. I'm afraid that my condition has left me cold to your pleas of mercy. You are not sending me to the cooler. What killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age! Wow, <laughs> that's the worst. It, it, it's it's so it's wrong so in bad. so many ways. It's, it's so like bad. that's not what killed the dinosaurs, but it is costing the ice age. <laughs> I like. So I, funny. I'm gonna take us on a tangent here. Do Arnold it. Schwarzenegger is so great, and anyone who wants to argue with me, I will argue forever. Like he makes the like okay, the Mister Freeze thing fine, but he makes the pun so cool. I would so like good. to present uh, as evidence to the jury the scene in Predator where he throws a giant knife through a dude and sticks it sticks him to a tree and goes, hey, stick around. It's so great. It's, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, right? <laughs> he, he, he was, like, I think he is critical to the one-liner movement, right? Oh, Without and- Arnold's one-liners. Uh, what's that one in True Lies? That's really good. Uh, uh, he has a lot in True Lies. I absolutely, I remember when I went and saw True Lies as a kid and was so blown away. And man, he is good in it. Yeah. But there's, I, I also, I believe it's in Commando where he's like, remember when I said I'd kill you last? I lied. And then he lets him go <laughs> off the cliff. And then they're like, what happened to the guy? And he's like, I let him go. <laughs> That's a pretty good Arnold. That's a pretty good Arnold. By the Dude, way, it's I, you're fired. It's you're fired. That's what he says. Oh, right. Because the, the guy, the guy is yeah. hanging on the missile of the jet yeah. that Arnold is flying. And then he shoots the <laughs> missile through the building and hits yeah. the other jet. Oh, my gosh. It never it's gets fired. old to me. Arnold is the greatest thing ever. Are you okay? Some more of these. Are you okay with lines at a theme park? God, uh, my my hell, <laughs> my hell are lines at theme parks. Um, totally. Except for it depends on the theme park. Disney tries to do a good job, or like I remember, like uh, Expedition Everest, which is my favorite roller coaster ever. 
uh, like you go through and there's like so many interactive things and you can look like at least you're occupied, but it's long. Um, but Canada's wonderland, which is my favorite, uh, that place, the lines are long and there's not much to do is depending on some of the newer rides, but the fast pass is so good there that you just get through. Like no right. problem. The so, fast pass is a brilliant yeah. idea. It really is. Brendan, is yeah. this, what are you standing in line well, for? Are you waiting in line for anything? No, no, not a huge fan of lines. The fast pass sort of bothers me that it's evolved into multiple different levels of fast pass, and you could pay right. a little bit more. You could pay even more. You could pay a whole lot more. I just, just one. We just need one fast pass. Yeah, capitalism, yes, my true. friend capitalism isn't it the greatest uh the magic of the parks the theme park right it's pretty amazing until you have to find out that you stand in line but still just listen to these kids finding out that they're going to disneyland okay guys listen to me okay we have we have good news and we have bad news the bad news the bad news is that we're gonna have to drive in the car for a while longer the good news is you can open your surprises now Mickey Mouse! Are we... Are we... What? Oh my gosh! We're going to Disneyland! Anna! Yeah. <laughs> oh, Nick! Do you like the dress? Tell us! <laughs> yeah! Where are we going? Right now. Right now. What? <laughs> Right now? We're going to go to the hotel tonight and we're going tomorrow morning to Disney. Oh my God! The happiest place on earth. That's why they call it that. Now imagine this. You get to Disney only to wait in line for seven hours. And this isn't even for a ride. This is to get a popcorn bucket this all happened at the epcot international festival of the arts which kicked off at disney world on january 14th it's supposed to be a celebration of visual culinary and performing arts from across the world with galleries and exhibits planned throughout february 21st but a bunch of people just showed up and lined up and wanted the popcorn buckets including among the new food items is this figment popcorn bucket it's modeled after a character from Epcot's various iterations of the Journey into Imagination ride. Came with rainbow-colored popcorn and it's shaped like a dragon and it cost 25 bucks. I say no. Not for me. No, that's that's a little that's steep. Abs- yeah. Disney, Disney adults, man. They're crazy. Yeah. They're like yeah. They, they they put all the money and passion into Disney and they'll do it. This doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. As you may expect, uh, people have already started reselling the popcorn buckets on eBay listed as high Mm as $1,000. Oh my. Some, yeah, some have sold for 200 bucks. I wouldn't even pay 200 bucks. I don't, I don't care. Uh, I, I just, yes, the lining up for things to get the souvenir things like the beanie babies, like the people who lined up to get the beanie babies. How silly do those people look, right? Remember, they thought Beanie Babies were going to pay for their kids' college <sighs> education. Is the popcorn yeah. bucket going to pay for anyone's education? It's not. It's no, not. It's I'm shaped like a dragon. Right now, uh, like old school ones from, uh, actually, no, these are pretty, all pretty recent. Most of them are like 50 bucks. And to be fair, like they're cool. They're objectively cool. Um, 
but the the dragon one, which is definitely the coolest looking one, hello email, uh, is is not the best one here. And it's and yeah, I'm looking at a listing right now, $180. What's cooler than the dragon one? There's a beauty and the beast one that has like stained glass of both of them dancing. Of I forget the names of the of of the princess Belle? in that movie. It would a be Belle. Belle. And there's also a Steamboat Willie, like you know, the original yeah. Mickey yeah, Mouse yeah. cartoon. These are uh, there is a lot of effort going into popcorn buckets <laughs> at Disney World. <sighs> Ridiculous. This is the Shift Podcast. And have you heard this question asked maybe amongst uh, your peer group or people that you work with or just just in, in general conversation over the last number of weeks? Okay, Omicron is here. Why don't we just like get it over with, e- whether at like a societal level or even just on a personal level? Why don't we rip the Band-Aid off and let this thing go wild? We know it's not as bad as previous variants have been, and we know we're all most likely going to get it anyway. So what are we waiting for? We're just delaying this whole thing. Well, here with some thoughts on it is Dr. Catherine Smart. She is the president of the Canadian Medical Association. So before we dive in on the Omicron stuff, uh, Dr. Smart, I was just wondering if you could tell us uh, so that we know like who you are and where you're from and uh, what gives you the authority to speak on an issue like this. Tell us what the Canadian Medical Association is and what you guys do. For sure. So the Canadian Medical Association represents the voice of physicians across Canada. So we've been around for 154 years. um, And our job really is to be that national voice for physicians. Um, We're representing about 80,000 doctors across Canada. And a huge part of what we do is advocacy to try to bring forward issues around what makes Canadians healthy, how our healthcare system works and functions and ideas to improve that, as well as ideas around the health workforce and how to make life in healthcare better for the people that provide that care. Fantastic. So being the president, this is essentially like, and I know you, you do a lot of work with diversity and, uh, you know, uh, uh, advocacy and that type of thing, but essentially this is like, uh, on behalf of 80,000 doctors across our country, is it safe to say that? That's my job. I am the <laughs> spokesperson. And I, you know, of course, I, I don't ever want to make it sound like every doctor has the exact sure. same opinion. But yes, we we try to represent the views of physicians uh, the best that we can. Fantastic. Because one of the things and we've talked to several uh, medical professionals, a lot of really educated, really smart and um, really important conversations we've had on this show. And one of the things that we hear all the time is talk to your doctor, talk to the person that you trust, talk to the medical professional in your life. And that's exactly what my family's done with regards to COVID and Omicron and these type of things. So I, I do, I, I think that, but I also think like, Hey, this is, it's incredible that we have uh, an organization that represents like a unified voice of doctors. So with that, with that in mind, I want to dive into this idea of Omicron because over the last couple of weeks, I feel like every single person that I know has gotten it, uh, myself included. And there's kind of this narrative out there right now. Like I actually had some friends say to my family when we got it, Oh, can we just like come over and 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 spend a, a couple of days with you guys so that we all get it and get it over with? There's kind of this idea that 
hey, we're all going to get it anyway. So just why don't we just take the, you know, take the gloves off and just let it rip across the country and get it over with. Tell us why that is such a bad idea. Well, first of all, you know, I, I empathize with people at this point in the pandemic. I think we all just want it to be over. And, and I can totally appreciate why various versions of how that might occur run through people's minds. But, but you know, as you've alluded to, there's a lot of reasons why that's not a good idea right now. Um, and, and the main one is we already know Omicron's really infectious. That's obvious just from how exponentially those case counts have gone up. But we also know our healthcare system is becoming overwhelmed yet again. So it's really important right now that we do everything we can to try to bend that curve or blunt that exponential rise to try to keep capacity in our healthcare system. You know, because if everybody gets Omicron at the same time, the bottom line is some people are going to be ill. Um, And even though you yourself might be okay, you potentially could give it to someone else in your family who might be more vulnerable than you, uh, not intentionally. Um, And it just leads to that rapid explosive growth in your community, which can lead to the healthcare system not having space for people. So that's really, you know, why I think right now the messaging is we know Omicron is here, we know we can't get rid of it completely. But what we can do is try to take measures, all the measures that we can to try to slow that spread Uh, spread it out over a bit of a longer time period and then try to make sure that our hospitals can keep up. Yeah. And I certainly identify with this. uh, And I think everybody can. It comes from this place of we just want to get this thing over with. And, you know, we can we can kind of drag it out over the next three, six, 12, however many months. Or uh, it's like, let's rip the Band-Aid off. Right. Have a short period of of, you know, excruciating pain. But then it's done. But the people who are sort of saying that they're not thinking about the bigger picture. I mean, one of the things that we're already seeing is supply chain is breaking down. I mean, because of supply chain, yes, we know that, but also just because workers are so sick. And imagine if, you know, double that amount of nurses, workers, when, when they get sick as well, the ascent, these, these frontline essential healthcare workers and people who are trying their best to keep things going, if they all get sick, you know, it, it's a huge effect on our country. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, that's part of what's making it so difficult right now in hospitals. You know, some of it is, of course, the numbers are going up in terms of people requiring the hospital, both in emergency departments that needing to be admitted to hospital and in our ICUs. But as you've said, you know, we are down healthcare professionals because some of them have been infected and they're not able to work or they're isolating. So we're hearing of some hospitals that have, you know, up to 20% of their staff who aren't there. Um, so we need to try to protect the workforce as well. And, you know, we're hearing similar challenges in school with teachers not being there. And, and as you said, really, I think across all the industries and areas uh, in our country that provide service to people, you know, we're down bodies. So trying to keep people uh, as safe as we can trying to limit how rapidly it it goes through the population so that we can protect these things is key. And I I think the other piece of that is a huge part of trying to blunt the impact of Omicron in terms of bad outcomes for people is also getting more people vaccinated. And that takes some time. So we're seeing, you know, that rollout of the third doses, really trying to make sure that we're targeting people who are more vulnerable and have medical comorbidities that put them more at risk of a bad outcome. And that's really important. But the other big group that we're really 
trying to get to right now is children. You know, we started vaccinating kids five to 11 in end of November, December. Um, many children haven't yet had their second dose, and we still are only at about 50% of children who've had their first dose. So that's a, another potentially vulnerable group that we need to up that vaccination rate. So those are two other things that are sort of happening simultaneously, where again, more time buys us more opportunity to get more people that protection. Right. Yeah. We spoke with a fantastic uh, pediatrician from the University of British Columbia last week uh, about exactly that, why uh, so many of us are on in favor of getting ourselves vaccinated, but uh, I have a five-year-old daughter and the narrative amongst the, the peer group at the playground and stuff is we're just going to wait and see. We want to get our kids vaccinated, but we're going to wait and see what happens when the rest of the kids get vaccinated. And like everyone's taking that approach, which just, and then he also, you know, informed us about the, the, immense numbers of kids that are already vaccinated safely. And, you know, so that was a fantastic conversation. So I, I would, I think that my daughter, she got COVID because my, or Omicron, my, my wife got it. And so we called our family doctor. This was over the Christmas holidays. And he basically said to us, your whole house has it. Like, I'm not, I just, I want you to assume that your whole house has it and act accordingly. I want you all to quarantine, even if you're not showing symptoms. And so that's what we did. But do you think people are taking that seriously? Because I know like there's this idea that people are asymptomatic, but people don't feel bad. So they just go, but this thing is so transmissible. Can you speak to that at all? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think first off, it's true, you know, because so many people are vaccinated and especially people that have had that third dose, you know, a lot of people are having very mild symptoms. And again, that's not to underplay that other people are having much more serious symptoms, but no question, there is a large part of the population that may be asymptomatic or such minor symptoms, you know, like a bit of a runny nose, a bit of a sore throat, like not something that you might normally pay much attention to or wouldn't have stopped you from doing what you would normally do. So I think you're absolutely right. Like the risk of that is people not really realizing that they're then sick and, and then being out going about their normal business and spreading it to people. And, and I think what's also tough, of course, is right now it's so hard to get tested that a lot of people aren't able to confirm whether it's COVID or not. Um, So, you know, again, you can appreciate how people might be like, oh, I think I'm okay. Uh, But I think really the message is right now, if you're sick with anything, that resembles a cold, runny nose, sore throat, uh, any body aches, headache, just, you know, you're not quite right. I think you should assume it's Omicron. And for sure, if it's in your family, it's just so contagious that I think that advice you had from your physician was totally on point, right? Like you've kind of got to assume probably everybody has it. And if you don't have it right that moment, you're probably going to have it in another couple of days. And the reality with this variant as well, that's really important is people are very infectious in the 48 hours before they have symptoms. Mm -hmm. So you need to sort of be aware of that as well. And again, that's another thing that's contributing to that exponential spread is you've got an extremely um, virulent virus in terms of it's very effective at infecting people. But there's also this lag before symptoms where people could be out passing it on without realizing it just because they don't have symptoms yet. So when you put those two things together, um, you can appreciate why it's really taking off. Certainly. Yeah. It, it was like dominoes in my house. We have no idea where it came from. My wife got it and I felt fine for about four days. And then right as she was starting to feel better, I was like, oh, I guess it's my turn. And then we watched it go through our kids as well. And exactly like you say, you know, however it got in, but it just, it cycled through an exa- exactly that timeline that you're talking about. So the whole house was 
just shut down and, you know, we suffered through it, watched a lot of Netflix, but it was okay. Um, so let me ask you this, uh, Dr. Smart. So we know that this thing is uh, absolutely, you know, got a hold on our country and there's difficult to get testing. I, I'm waiting on my third dose. Uh, my daughter is waiting to get her first dose. There's, you know, all sorts of stuff going on. Can you give us uh, some hope? Can you give us a reason to be optimistic about uh, what the summer is going to look like, what the rest of the year is going to look like, uh, and and interpret that any way you see fit? <laughs> well, I'll do my best. I, I think a lot of people are feeling pretty hopeless right now, which I understand, but I agree. We have to try to maintain some positivity because it's so important. I think a few things, you know, the first thing that gives me hope is the vaccines are working very well to keep people from becoming critically ill. You know, when you talk to people who are in ICUs, they're, they're really seeing how well that vaccine's working. Now, of course, there's some people that have medical vulnerabilities where the vaccine hasn't been as effective and we still want to make sure we have things in place to protect those people. But overall, on a population level, we're seeing excellent protection against bad outcomes. So I think that to me is really encouraging. You know, if we were in this same wave with a virus this infectious without the rates of vaccination that we have in our country right now, it would be just an unbelievably worse situation. So I'm grateful that so many many people are protected. Um, and even if they get COVID will likely do well. And, and, you know, also I'm grateful that we do have vaccines now for children, because again, we can get them protected and try to avoid those r- rare, but potentially serious outcomes that nobody wants. Um, so those things give me hope. There's uh, more research coming out for kids under five. Cause I know a lot of families in that situation are naturally feeling anxious and, and many of them want their children vaccinated. And I think we're hopeful we're going to have that data in the next couple of months. So, you know, I I think very soon we'll be able to extend that protection to everybody. And so that that's really, to me, a light at the end of the tunnel. Okay. I think, you know, the future, like, obviously, that's what everyone's wondering, right? Is this heralding the end of the pandemic? And, and right. that's to be determined, right? We don't know for sure. However, what do we know? There, This is obviously not the first pandemic. There's been many pandemics before. Um, they've all ended. So no pandemic went on forever. So that makes me feel like eventually it's got to be over. Um, when you look kind of historically, a lot of them lasted around two-ish years, which is kind of what we're coming up to now. So you think, okay, maybe this is kind of kind of it. Of course, we don't know. But I think, you know, what we've seen throughout um, the pandemic is things do get better in the spring and summer, right? Things are always worse in the winter with mm-hmm. viruses. People are indoors uh, a lot more. Things spread more easily in the winter because of that. Once people can be outside more, we always see that natural decrease in viral illnesses. And we've seen that throughout this pandemic. So I think there's lots of reason to hope you know, spring and summer will be better. And I think many of us are hoping that this might be it. But of course, there's no way to know that for sure. I don't think we're going to get rid of COVID completely. Um, But the goal is obviously to move to a state where it's more endemic and we're not seeing these incredibly overwhelming surges. There still may be times where there's outbreaks or numbers increase. But I think what everyone wants to get to is the point where it's not shutting down our lives, right? It's not threatening our healthcare system. And and I hope that we're going to be there soon. Yeah, me too. I, one of the things I like to say, and uh, we've sort of, I say it with my friends and we've sort of said it before. It's kind of like this little, you know, we've got our best people on it and uh, I believe that we do. And I think that you, it, you are one of those. So uh, thank you for your work to help, you know, put this thing behind us. And I appreciate your time tonight, Dr. Smart. Uh, my guest is Catherine Smart. She is the president of the Canadian Medical Association. Uh, have a fantastic evening. And again, thank you for sharing 
sharing your thoughts with us. I actually do find I, I do find this conversation encouraging, you know, like let's get let's let's do the things that we need to do. I've been saying the only way out of it is through it. Let's do the things we need to do and uh, put this thing behind us when we can. Well, thank you for your kind words. I'm with you. We're going to get there. And uh, I wish you all the best. It's the shift.ca is uh, our website where you will be able to go and hear that interview. Uh, once again, we'll get it posted up after the show as part of the shift daily podcast, but she seems pretty smart, right? Seems pretty smart. If you ask me, I feel like she, uh, you know, speaks on behalf of many other very smart people when they say, let's not rush this thing because we want to do it right. We want to make sure that we have the resources to get through it. We want to make sure that, you know, we're not uh, pushing too hard, too fast. And, you know, yeah, there is a lot of, a lot of reason to be hopeful. And uh, I think that's a a thing that we could all use right now is a bit of hope. So good, good. Uh, Catherine Smart, again, she is uh, the president of the Canadian Medical Association. This is the Shift Podcast. It is our favorite millennial on the radio, the one and only Ryan O'Donnell. The millennial on the radio, it's Ryan O'Donnell. Hey, bud. Brennan, are you going to... Oh, ding. Somebody going to do it? Ding. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I can't start before a ding. Sorry. Okay. Lots of things to talk about. The big one, the big thing, the top story for many of my generation, uh, you know, we like sports. We like tennis and uh, the drama, the tea, the shade with Novak Djokovic, arguably the the greatest tennis player alive right now. Uh, if you if you don't remember, there was some drama. He is unvaccinated and went to Australia on a exemption visa, but he didn't really fully describe what his visa really represented. And then the Australians were like, we're going to kick you out. And then he fought that. And then he won initially. Uh, But the Australians had the final say. And they decided that Novak is out of Australia. With the world's number one tennis player being kicked out of Australia. The decision coming from Federal Court Chief Justice James Alsop a short time ago. Uh, They broke with precedent and allowed the decision to be uh, recorded so that we could broadcast it. They're making the point that it was aimed at people watching around the world. And he wanted to make clear that what they were deciding was not an appeal against the decision to cancel Novak Djokovic's visa, but simply decide whether Immigration Minister Alex Hawke had acted irrationally or unreasonably. The court will then adjourn, uh, as I've indicated, and grateful for those communication, that communication as soon as possible, Mr. Justice must be overturned. No one must play. If he cannot play in Australia, then he must play elsewhere. Well, the, the tournament was in Australia, so yes, he will have to play elsewhere, uh, my friend. Uh, so, yeah, the Serbian player went to the airport in Melbourne. Hours later, federal agents escorted him and his team from the business lounge in his quarantine hotel, which uh, he was basically on lockdown in a very fancy hotel. Uh, I think they called it a deten- a detention 
uh not a center they 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 gave it a very like okay relax he's in a hotel kind of name he's on he boarded a flight and uh went to dubai so he appealed against the immigration minister's use of discretionary powers to cancel his visa so this is the this is the kind of the decision the minister said Djokovic could be a threat to public order because his presence would encourage anti-vaccination sentiment amidst Australia's worst COVID outbreak, which is interesting because I think you're going to get anti-vax protesting regardless of the decision. If he yeah, goes home, totally. people are going to protest. If he plays, people are going to feel supported. Well, so and like the no idea win-win there. For sure, that he's encouraging anti. It's not like anybody who like got vaccinated is going to be like, oh, Novak said this, so maybe I'll go and get unvaccinated. I think like <laughs> yeah. people's decisions about whether or not they're going to get vaccinated are kind of made up. I think I could be I could be wrong, but I mean it does say something ridiculous about the country if they just let this guy play because. You know, the law is the law for everybody, right? Especially yeah. when the guy is so in the in the public eye, I suppose. Yeah, the law is the law. I see this as a win. I think regardless oh, of the situation, yeah. if he was going in and he was breaking any other law, it would not have as like it would not be as controversial. But because it's COVID, oh, the Internet and everyone, we all explode. The, he broke. He didn't follow a rule in Australia. So he has yeah. to go that was a thing before COVID and it will be a thing after COVID. And it is certainly a thing during COVID. So I think it sets a good precedent. Uh, now Australians are very like heated on this issue and not just Serbians who are very pro Novak. I mean, it, it's like a national symbol of pride, which is totally understandable. Uh, but what you're about to hear is uh, th they're investigating this. Australia's most watched news network. Uh, they went to break, but the anchors' mics were live in the studio. This didn't get broadcasted, but this audio was available. And this is one of the anchors um, kind of saying how she feels about Novak. Whatever way you look at it, Novak Djokovic is a lying, sneaky... Yeah. You can probably guess what comes after that. Uh, yeah. And there's quite a long rant there. And uh, there are a lot of people saying, this shows the media is, is biased. And I'm like, well, people have biases, but how you present the news should never have bias. And that's not what they were doing. This was them off screen, off script, saying their own personal thing before they go into a unbiased report on what it is. Right? So... There is just so much to the story. The great thing is that it's over now. And well, unless this cha this chapter of it is this chapter is over, right? And so hopefully the the tournament, the tennis, can just happen. And hopefully this is the last time this happens. But I I think it does set a good precedent to show that no matter who you are, rules still apply to you. And as someone who is very much on the very bottom end of the worldwide food chain, this is this is. This is nice. This is good. I, I totally I appreciate I'm, this. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad too. It's nice to see that uh, money and power and prestige and all of those things. Uh, there are some things in which we are all still equal in the eyes of the law, as uh, I believe the yes. saying goes. Uh, we're yeah, all still equal. Well exactly. said, Ryan. Yeah. Thank you, sir.
Uh, okay, on to something more entertaining. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I guess, you know what, if we're going to talk about football, let's set the mood. Let's let's talk about some football. This is like the most American theme song ever. I love it. This is the NFL's actual theme song. I have a weird relationship with American football. Uh, I prefer the game and the rules of Canadian football. But the storylines, the teams, and the history, I think, is more interesting in the States. And the fans are something else. Uh, it's still pretty fun. I like to watch a little bit. CFL's off right now. It was the weekend. Watch a couple of playoff football games. That's fun. It was the qualifiers to see who gets to the divisional round, you know, to get towards the Super Bowl. Uh, and, uh, none of the team, I, I, I have like one team I cheer for. I like the, I like the Vikings cause purple. Um, that's so I don't have much attachment uh, <laughs> that's to why. this. Per- that, yeah, right. seriously. No, oh yeah. If your right. if your team has a good logo, I'm a fan. Um, yeah, if your team sure. has a bad logo or bad colors, I hate you. This is why I can't, I don't like the Washington capitals. Their Jersey is a disaster. It's a mess. And that's why I hate the team. Sorry, Ovechkin. Anyway, no, it's fair. uh, it's fair, Ryan. You're entitled. S- thank you. So I, but I, despite my, not so much, I don't have a lot of passion for American football, but I do believe in this. The world wins when the Cowboys lose. There's not much I know about the NFL, but I do know that Dallas Cowboys are a lot. And Dallas Cowboys fans are essentially Toronto Maple Leafs fans. And look, I'm not, I'm not fully attacking you Leafs fans. Okay. I'll attack you. I know. Uh, But the idea is that, it's a very similar storyline. It's like a decent team that just constantly either under delivers or, or just completely fails despite high expectations. And the, the Cowboys always have high expectations and the Cowboys did indeed lose to the San Francisco 49ers an upset victory, but the loss itself is absolutely insane. So the 49ers couldn't run out the clock at the end of the game. And after that, they had to punt. Dallas had a tiny chance to drive 75 yards in the final 30 seconds. But the Cowboys couldn't stop the clock after their quarterback tried to run to the middle of the field. Here's the thing. A ref, an official, bumped into their quarterback while he was trying to get the ball set, which threw Prescott off, their quarterback, as he rushed to spike it and the game ended. San Francisco to get to the quarterback here. Prescott takes off running the football. Whoa, I don't think this is going to work out. It will. They'll be able to clock this. They were playing for it. It's down, down. Oh, my gosh. Oh, the official gets in the way. The game's over. Gosh. The game is over. Oh, he did. Oh, they're going to look at this. It's, it's going to be over. It's, uh... It was indeed over. So to put this into perspective, this is how this looks to Dallas Cowboys fans. This is as if there's five seconds left in the game. There's an empty net in a hockey game, right? Like, let's switch to hockey. Sure, yeah. Five seconds left. An analogy we can all understand. Exactly. Five seconds left in the third period, empty net. And as the puck shoots towards the net, this is like the, the ref diving in front of the net to stop the puck going in. That's essentially what this is like to Dallas Cowboys fans. But the the play itself was questionable. It was bad play calling. The ref getting in the way is ridiculous. But then it gets even better. 
because as they were leaving, and I think even if you're an upset fan base, you have to show some respect to your team, even if they completely disrespect you. I hate seeing paper bags over fans' heads and throwing jerseys on the ice. I understand you might get frustrated, but there's a line, and the line was crossed at this football game. Fans threw garbage at the Cowboys as they left the field. Beer cans, toilet paper, uh, and apparently the trash was actually intended for the referees. Okay, that's what uh, uh, apparently was supposed to be the purpose of this throwing. In response to that, Dak Prescott, the guy who had his play bungled by the referee, said in an interview post-game, quote, oh, well, credit to them then. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> yeah. That's probably not going to go well for him uh, next season. Anytime he uh, no, no. any ref. Yeah, yeah so good. he immediately had to, you know, get his statement clear and said the fans felt the same way as us. I guess that's why the refs took off and got out of there so fast. I think everybody's upset about the way things played off. Yeah, sure. So I can see that. Look, Cowboys fans, it's a, it's a it's a big loss. I'm sorry, but it's just a weird storyline in sports. A referee jumping in the middle of a play, garbage being thrown at the fields, an underdog win. Um, this kind of stuff just is ridiculous. Doesn't really happen in the CFL, and I think that's why I prefer the CFL, but also why the NFL is kind of special. Well, it's so entertaining. It's so, and I mean, like these same fans, like. Every, everybody's got a lot of pent up emotion these days. Don't we all like, I mean, I'm not one to advocate for throwing things at the players that you're paying money to see, but yeah, a lot of pent up emotion. I understand. I understand. That's Thank all you. you got. Hey, that's all I got. We're millennial, good. millennial on the radio, Ryan O'Donnell. I appreciate your take, my friend. So who's, who's still in? Uh, NFL. Who do we got? Oh, okay. The, so the if we're gonna do okay, so the Bills destroy the Patriots, so they're yeah. moving on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tampa Bay, excuse me, defeated Philly, uh, which is yeah, Brady. Uh, so they're going on. Uh, okay. Pittsburgh got annihilated by Kansas City, which is also a good thing for the world of sports. Uh, yeah. and I believe, oh, and uh, a great one is the Bengals, who are definitely like the underdog, I would say, of the uh, playoffs. Uh, they beat the Raiders. So the Bengals are moving on. I used to call them the Cincinnati Bungles. So I'm hoping yes. that this is a good year for them. Uh, yeah. But, then, uh, yeah, it's a Niners. pretty interesting storyline. And then, yes, the Niners. So we've got yeah. the divisionals coming up. And then today, the Arizona Cardinals are playing the Los Angeles Rams. I hate the Rams. Uh, go, Arizona, because you're not the Rams. <laughs> Fantastic. Also, guys, the Canucks won today, and uh, Elias Pettersson got two goals, which is like the best he's done all season. So I, I've got Oof. that. I've, I know, I'm glad you I've have got that. that. Yeah. Sports Talk, uh, Millennial on the radio, Ryan O'Donnell. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.